Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Whether you're a pastor, an elder, or a volunteer in your local church, Ministry in Motion is for you to develop your ministry and to grow you as a, a minister with Jesus. Today's topic is part two of a special series that we're doing on servant leadership. And our special guest is Dr. Gordon Beats. Gordon, welcome again to Ministry in Motion. Thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation. This is a topic I enjoy a great deal. And we're just thrilled that you're here. Now, Gordon, we covered in the first program that servant leadership is actually an oxymoron. Um, but today we want to look at a case study and in particular, the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a perfect illustration, I think, of, of leadership and, and leadership that uh, is servant leadership. Mm, yeah. Now, as a servant leader, we'll find loves people and loves God. Let's, let's go to Nehemiah and let's pick up the story on Nehemiah. Okay, well, in uh, the very first chapter of Nehemiah, in verse, uh, verse 2, well, let's start with verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakilah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. The servant leader, I think, is interested in other people. Now, we have to realize that Nehemiah was a long ways from Jerusalem. Mm. I mean, it was a many, many days journey. He had a good job. He was a cupbearer of the king. He, he made a good living. There was no reason for him, from a secular perspective, to be concerned about people way over in Jerusalem. But when he, he heard this story, he, when these brothers came, I don't know if they were actual brothers or just brothers in the faith, came, he, he was concerned about what was going on in Jerusalem because the Jews had been returned there and some of them were having some trouble and he just wanted to know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. And what did he discover? What, what was going on in Jerusalem? Well, he discovered that uh, things were not copacetic. Yeah. <laughs> in verse 3, they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are, been, are burned with fire. So he found that there was a big trouble in Jerusalem. You know, things were not going well for those that had gone back there from the exile. You know, servant leaders like people and they are interested in people. Uh, there's someone who said, if you can't stand the smell of sheep, you shouldn't be a shepherd. <laughs> and, I haven't heard that one before. And, and if you don't love people, you shouldn't be a pastor. Yeah. You know, you really shouldn't because it is all about caring for people and being interested in them. Andrew Carnegie said, if you develop people the same way you mine for gold, in gold mining, you must literally move tons of dirt to find a single bit of gold. You don't look for the dirt you look for gold. Mm. And that's another, I think, perspective of the servant leader is always looking for the best, always optimistic, always hopeful in terms of his leadership that he can find the best in people rather than complaining about the worst in people. Exactly, yeah. And what was Nehemiah's response? Was, was his response, well, this is tough times, bad luck, well, yeah. 
I'm okay, but too, yeah. Too bad for them. Yeah. Yeah, well, verse 3, he found out that, of course, they were, uh, they had a big problem. Right. And I guess, what's our response to problems when we hear about problems? Uh, if you are pastoring a church and you hear about a neighboring church that is having problems and their members are coming to your church, are you feeling good about that? Well, or are you really empathetic with that neighboring church? I'm the pastor of Southern Adventist University. When I hear there's a problem at another university, am I feeling good or am I really empathetic? And I think that Nehemiah illustrates that uh, his response to problems was to, to be concerned and to care about people. It had a profound impact upon him, didn't it? It wasn't just something that uh, impacted him for no. a, a moment and he moved on, but the, the, the text it, it yeah. illustrates that it impacted him personally. Yeah. He didn't say the walls are broken down. I wonder who screwed up in Jerusalem. Yeah. You know, he didn't say, he didn't publish a newsletter about the people who may have had problems in Jerusalem. And sometimes I think that's our tendency yeah. to immediately get a hold of problems and highlight problems to other people rather than to find solutions. Exactly. So when this happened, verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Was this his problem? Well, technically, he had a good job. It didn't have to be. It didn't have to be his problem. Yeah. He could have said, well, that's interesting. I think I'll, uh, I'll mention that to my wife when I get home, you know, that there's problems in Jerusalem. Too bad about those folks. No, he was engaged with the, with the people. Of, uh, of Jerusalem because they were family to him. Yeah. And so he wept and he prayed. And it's interesting in his prayer, uh, he actually included himself in the prayer that he was, a, he was a part of the problem, he even said. I noticed that. And a, a thing that really captured my attention all the way through this first chapter was the heavy emphasis on the phrase or the word servant. Mm -hmm. um, your servant, your servants, your servant Moses, he, 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 makes, he says in his prayer, but your servant is, is repeated again and again. Nehemiah didn't sort of see himself as, I'm somebody special, I'm the king's cupbearer, which was a privileged position. Yeah. Nehemiah saw himself as the servant of God. And he was impacted by the people of God, by their experience. It's moods, their joys, their sorrows, their pains, their frustrations, their success, their disappointment. It was like he was a, a nerve ending for the community, feeling and experiencing their pain. And I think it's the servant's job not to inflict pain, the servant leader's job, not to inflict pain, to, but to bear pain. And so when, they, when the body experiences suffering of some time, kind, it's a part of his experience to handle that. It's a little bit like when your body is injured, if you have a cut on your finger, the body rushes to heal that. That's what the servant leader does to an injury of the body. Mm -hmm. It rushes to bring comfort, rushes to bring solutions, rushes to bring healing to the body. You're describing empathy there in every respect. Right. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Yeah. I'd like to explore this a little more with you, Gordon. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. 
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is Servant Leadership Part 2 and we're exploring the, the case study of Nehemiah. Our guest today is Dr. Gordon Beats. Now Gordon, we've, we've found that a, a servant leader is empathetic, but we're also finding that a servant leader is a prayerful leader as well. Now Nehemiah prayed. Explore with us some of Nehemiah's prayer with us. Well, the first thing he did, he sat down, after he heard about the problems in Jerusalem, he sat down and wept, and then he prayed. And we have uh, a copy of his prayer. He says, Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant. And I skip a little bit. And then he comes down, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. Had he committed the sins? You know, had, did he have the problem? He was confessing on behalf of the community. He identified, he was so empathetic with the community that when he prayed, it wasn't go help these people. Yeah. It was, I'm a part of this problem. Whose problem was it? Was it Nehemiah's problem? You know, he was, again, he was a long ways away from it. But he says, I confess the sins we Israelites. He says, we have a problem. And I, I think that's an illustration, again, of a servant leader who really is enmeshed with the organization, feels its pain, is a part of it, and seeks to bring a solution. You know, imagine for a moment that, that you and I are on a canoe trip across a lake, and uh, the two of us are canoeing away, and we're moving across this lake, doing very well, and suddenly I notice on your end of the boat there's a large hole, and there's water starting to pour in where you are. And so what do I say? You have a problem. <laughs> not really. No, 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 not really. Who has the problem? We both do. We have the problem because yeah. we're in this boat together. And I think the servant leader thinks that way about the community, about the church. It's not identify those people who have the problems and let's get rid of them. It's we have a problem. How can we come together to solve this problem? Yeah. yeah. And I think that demonstrates his, his empathy. And another, another great leader that had a similar approach was Moses. Mm -hmm. You remember the story of Moses when he went up onto the mountain. Oh, yeah. uh, the Lord comes to him after these people had rebelled. Mm -hmm. And the Lord says, uh, I've seen this people. They're a stiff-necked people. Uh, may my anger burn against them that I may destroy them, and I will make a great nation out of you. And if it would have been me, I might have said, Good idea. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's start over again. Mm -hmm. You know, these people are a stiff-necked people. We can do better the next time around. Destroy them. But but Moses comes back and says, "Oh, what a great sin these people have committed! They've made themselves gods of gold. Forgive their sins, but if not, block my name out of the book of life." That's willing to give up his own salvation for the people. Yeah. Again, so identifying with the people that he's willing to lose his own eternal life on behalf of these people. And, of course, that's servant leadership, and that's what Jesus did. Yes, yeah. As the, as the uh, example of a servant leader. You know, and I'm seeing a, an, another close association with Jesus and Nehemiah. Jesus came to planet Earth. Nehemiah didn't just stay in the citadel of Susa, in the palace. Right. Nehemiah made a special request, a prayerful request to the king mm -hmm. that he might go to Jerusalem. 
And it shows, I think, the influence that a servant leader has to be able to go to the king and to make that kind of request. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know how much influence he had when the king uh, saw him downfallen and saw him kind of depressed. And again, this was the cupbearer. Yeah. And so the king could have taken off his head yeah. and might very well have done that under other circumstances. But obviously, he trusted Nehemiah a great deal. And this was an unusual thing for Nehemiah to do. He, right. he says in the text that he'd never been downcast in the king's right. presence before. Right. Um, so Nehemiah took responsibility, went across to Jerusalem. How did things unfold for him there, Gordon? Well, it, uh, he, when he first went, he did some research. Yeah. You know, he wanted to find out exactly what was going on and he wanted to know some of the details and he wanted to make sure that he, uh, he knew what was happening. And I think that's also true of a servant leader. You don't uh, go in with uh, hammer and tongs and guns blazing, mm -hmm. but you need to get a good feel for what exactly is, is happening. Yeah. And that was, I think, his, his approach. Yeah. And it, the report that he received, it was true. The walls were broken down, the gates were burnt, the, the place was literally in a state of emergency. It was a disaster zone. And he was to find out not only was it the, the physical walls of Jerusalem that were decimated, but really the structure of society itself had been decimated as well. People were, uh, were not doing well with each other and yeah. they needed to have a, a servant leader. Exactly. And I think Nehemiah illustrates the fact that when you see a problem, you move toward the solution of the problem. You don't wait for somebody else to, to pick up the mantle and, and do it, but you, you do what needs to be done. Precisely. And so Nehemiah, he could have easily returned back to the king's palace at any time right. um, and gone back to, to being cupbearer. Uh, but instead, he was there for a considerable amount of time and they invested a lot of energy and a lot of work in this. Explore that with us. Uh, the Ritz-Carlton training manual says if you see a problem, you own the problem. Mm -hmm. And he owned it and he came to bring a resolution. On my, on my campus, if I see a piece of trash laying on the ground, I don't call for the service department to come and pick it up. I pick it up, I own the problem. That's a silly little illustration, but I think it's too often that we try to point fingers at other people rather than picking the mantle of leadership up ourselves and moving in the direction of resolving a problem rather than simply pointing fingers at other people who might resolve those problems. Exactly. You know, and as I was looking through the text, um, I, I noticed how it was a case of we, us and our. Yes. Nehemiah was, was part of this. And in terms of being up to his neck or up to his armpits in this, he also describes how he wore the same clothes for a, a two month period so heavily he didn't wash. He was totally committed to, to, to solving the dilemma that they were facing that time. Now, I'm not advocating that you know, none of us take a shower, you know, because you know, we're so busy, but it just, it's an illustration of how 
earnestly involved he was in this, this leadership. He worked with them side by side. Exactly, exactly. Yes. And uh, part of the solution and part of the team, yeah. Gordon, let's explore this more. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is Servant Leadership Part 2, and we're exploring the story, a case study of Nehemiah. Now, Gordon, Nehemiah had a vision. And, and that vision wasn't just an empty vision. There was planning and there was forethought. It, it was a powerful thing. Can you lead us through some of the things that Nehemiah did? I think it's important for us to, us to understand that uh, being a servant leader doesn't mean that we roll over and, and play dead, that whatever anybody suggests is what we do. And it's, it's, a, it's not a... A, a role that is non-directional, okay. but Nehemiah had some very specific ways of being accountable, and, and he wanted to be accountable uh, to God. There's a desire, I think, today on the part of many to not to be accountable for anything. It wasn't his problem technically, but he took it as his, his concern, that is, the problems in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> he, he had a vision about what needed to happen. And he didn't have the position. He wasn't assigned to be the prime minister of Jerusalem, but he had the vision. And when you have vision, people follow. And when you have a good idea of what to do, people will follow you. So he went to the king and he asked for letters of conduct through the very dangerous area where they were gonna travel. And so he got these special letters. He asked for, uh, in verses uh, 7 to 8 of chapter 2, and may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. I think that's the interesting piece. Yes, he was asking for timbers for the citadel and for the wall, but I want to build a house there, and I need that too. <clears throat> so he, he, went, he went all out and he did planning. This is what we're going to need when we get there. Uh, mm. Seneca said, when you don't know what harbor you're sailing to, any wind is a good wind. It doesn't make any difference which way the wind's blowing if you don't know where you're going. Exactly. And so I think it was Alice uh, in, in Wonderland also says to the Cheshire Cat, uh, would you tell me uh, where I ought to go from here? And the cat says, that depends on where you want to go. Alice said, well, I don't care. Then the cat says, well, and then it doesn't matter which way you go. Exactly. So you've got to have a vision and you have to have an idea about where you want to go. You don't, you, what you need to accomplish that vision is influence. Mm -hmm. And you develop influence through servant leadership. Mm -hmm. By caring for the people, loving the people, you get that influence. So he had a vision, Nehemiah 2.12, and I arose at night, had a few men with me. I didn't tell any man what my God had put in my heart. He traveled around the wall at night. He had not been elected or appointed to this job, so he had to prove he was gifted for the job by doing research. You know, he hadn't been appointed this job, but he had to demonstrate that he had the gifts. Mm -hmm. And he did that by doing some research. And so then his vision statement, and this is for uh, Nehemiah 4.17. I think this is a perfect 
vision statement. Then I said to them, okay, this is Nehemiah. After he's done his research, he's gone around the city. He's got all this information he's collected. You see the trouble we're in. That's the first step. Mm -hmm. Second step, Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. He explains the trouble we're in. He gives the solution. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And then what will be the result? We will no longer be in disgrace. Yeah. So it's a very clear vision statement. This is our trouble, describes the trouble, rebuild the walls, and we'll be uh, no longer in disgrace. So vision empowers people. I think when they can see where they're going, when they are excited about it, they all get behind the servant leader and move forward. Even when there are more than distractions, there was ridicule that right. Nehemiah was facing. And that vision was so powerful and I'd say God-driven that even those detractors and distractors didn't really make an impact. But Nehemiah addressed that, didn't he? Uh, he did. Uh, in verse 6, it says, We built the wall, joined together into half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. They worked with all their heart, it says in the New International Version. Yeah. And I think clear vision takes a mind to work, and people who are the distractors, the criticizers, who say that a fox running on this wall will knock it down, uh, they're very frustrated because uh, people gather together in support, in unity, a person with a vision who is a servant leader that the people know cares about them. Yeah, yeah. And when we think of the, the personal investment and the sacrifices that Nehemiah put into this place, you know, we, we can only begin to imagine the sleepless nights, the hardships, and yet what was achieved? It was phenomenal. And I think it was a vision that provided motivation to people. It wasn't uh, an easy vision. You know, what did Winston Churchill say to the uh, people of, of England? Uh, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Mm. But that was a vision that they gathered behind. Exactly. So it's, a vision isn't always roses and so forth, yes. but it's, it's clear that it's a solution to an issue yeah. and people will follow that. Exactly. Gordon, thanks so much. You know, an amazing vision, an amazing story that we're still talking about two and a half thousand years later. It's wonderful. Thank you. And thank you for joining us as well. We hope you'll join us next time on Ministry in Motion. But until then, may God richly bless you.